Bears fans, and welcome to the Two Minute Drill. I'm your host, Andrew Link, and with me today is Dan Meehan. Say hi, Dan. How are you, Andrew? Ah, doing wonderful on this beautiful, soggy Saturday morning that we have here. Soggy indeed. Yes, it's been soggy for a few days now. Um, I believe it's supposed to keep up all day. Yeah, probably. Uh, Yep. It's probably a good thing that the Bears don't have a home game this weekend because that would be kind of nasty. Would you say the turf monster would get them? I'd say the turf monster would just engulf the entire team into a whirlpool of slog, uh, Blood. soggy soldier field turf. Yeah, it would be it'd be nasty. Um, Will Ingles, who normally joins us, is got some. You know, he's, he plays he plays Division three college football, so he's got a game today. Um, we've been trying to get our schedules to align for a while, and. This was the first time that really seemed to work for anybody, and um, unfortunately, at the last minute, Will had to pull out and, and head to uh, his defensive meeting before the game. So, unfortunately, he will not be joining us today, uh, but we decided we just needed to record something um, <laughs> at some point. So, And, it, and it, will be, it will be more consistent going forward. It's just been tough with everything going on. Yeah. Dan, I mean, again, we, we've mentioned this before, but Dan's getting married. Will plays college football. Um, no, I've you just got to, a new job. Yeah, and, new job. And your, and your lady just moved in and all lady that fun just stuff. Moved in. Yeah, so we've had yeah. a lot of things in the personal life going on. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tough, you know, but, you know, that's that's the pleasures of being a, adults is uh, your schedule sometimes sucks. But, Hashtag adulting. That's right. That's right. Well, we had... Wait, a little a bit of, of uh, cool news that just kind of I just saw on Twitter. One of the uh, draft people tweeted out that there are three credentialed teams for scouting in today's LSU Florida game. One of which being the Chicago Bears. So if you want to maybe take a gander and guess at players the Bears might be interested in this coming April, you got a game for today. <laughs> there you go. I can't imagine who they're watching because they don't have a first or second round pick this year. So aim a little lower than. Uh, <laughs> Then, Wait, can I, should I downgrade it to spraining news rather than breaking yeah, news? Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, we, so we had a, we had quite the game to, to watch last weekend. Um, six touchdown passes, um, just under really 500 yards of offense. Out for I wanted them to so badly. Had that game been even remotely close, I think that that record probably should have been scared. Um, I also think that 500 yards passing was a real possibility the way that they were moving the ball. But you think about it, I mean, they really didn't even try in the fourth quarter at all. Um, and, and no, it was it was milk the clock time. Yeah. Just and, get and, off the field. And most of the third quarter was the same way. So um, I, I have no problems with that. I mean, it, at halftime, that game was over. Everybody knew that game was over. Um, just get out of there with the win. Get out of there healthy. Go home. Enjoy it. You kicked their ass. So that was nice to see. Um, I guess you could say that was Fitch tragic with the Buccaneers. <laughs> That's right. I guess you could say that uh, the Buccaneers got Mitch slapped. Ah, my man. 
Mitch, please. That's right. <laughs> so that brings us to the to the first you know thing here. Um, Bears are three and one, off to a great start. Obviously, um, number one defense in the NFL by virtually any metric that you want to look at. Um, but DVOA is is by Football Outsiders is usually the most accurate one, and they are number one for the second week in a row in DVOA on defense. So, um, are they number two overall in DVOA overall too? Yeah, second like number two team. team. Yep. Yep. Because uh, their their uh, special teams is number five in the NFL, and the offense is at number twenty. So, as a team, they're at number two overall behind the Rams. Um, so that brings us to the first question here, Dan. Is are you surprised by this three and one start, and not not just the record, but what it's looked like so far? I, okay, I, I appreciate the elaboration because my initial inclination was when you see three and one, you expect a good team, mm-hmm. and you could you could hypothetically make the argument they should be four and zero oh, if it weren't for what could be what some consider the best performance of Aaron Rodgers' career in week one. And one of maybe a dozen individual plays that led to the loss. I mean, if if one of a, a bunch of different plays go differently, I mean, not even talking about the Kyle Fuller dropped interception. Fuller dropped, yeah. Like, there was that, you know, Deion Sims doesn't turn up field on that third down and, and seven or whatever, or was it, or was it the Taylor Gabriel? He cuts the five yard out short by a yard and immediately falls after catching it. You know, yeah, I, there's a, there's a million plays you could point to yeah. that, that would have changed the entire scope of that game. But I digress. Yeah. Jordan Howard, to, stepping out of bounds. quiet you, <laughs> but um, I, I guess in a sense I am a little bit, shocked by the start i i very much try to keep myself even keel in what i see and when i watch like or especially on the second watch because i always watch each game two to three times just to like just kind of really digest what i what's being being done the the bears are further along than i thought they'd be in terms of really the defense and special teams the offense I always knew coming into it was going to be a, a work in progress. And you're all, when where the rubber meets the road, you're really only going to see about 45 to 50% of what Matt Nagy wants to do with this offense this season. And where they can run it efficiently, and it looks like it's going to be like their puke formations, just the stuff they know by just doing it. So, yeah, I am shocked, because especially with how the offense was week three. Or week four, rather, against the Buccaneers. And it was like a a night and day difference from what it was weeks two and three versus going into week four, where you said it in the chat, Andrew. It it sounded like Mitch and and Matt Nagy had sat down in the meeting room together with Chase and Ragone and Helfrich. And it sounds like everybody just kind of got on the same page and had their quote-unquote come-to-Jesus moment, where they're just like, you know what? Maybe not try to do the six years of Kansas City altogether and just do this one. And on top of that, you you knew the defense was going to get better, obviously, when you add one of the top two or three individual defenders in the whole game and Khalil Mack out of the defense. And it went from a good defense to somewhat 
you I may not call them elite yet, but they're an ass kicking defense. That is Absolutely. a they are a Super Bowl caliber ass kicking defense. And what I want to remind a lot of fans of is that because last week may not be an aberration, but it may not be what we see going forward for Mitch in the offense. It may just be a step into becoming consistent in the within the offense itself. And Khalil Mack being added to this ass-kicking defense is not the same as Mitch developing. They are two mutually exclusive ideas. It doesn't mean one happens before the other. And I think that's something a lot of Bears fans are struggling with right now. That Mitch has to be this. He has to be Pat Mahomes versus being Mitchell Trubisky in his, in, at his point of his development because Khalil Mack was added to this team. Yeah. I, yeah, Khalil Mack changes the changes the the curve here as far as the window of contention and things like that. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people were still, and myself included, were, were expecting that window to open in 2019. But when Khalil Mack was traded for, and we saw him, the expectations changed after the first quarter of the Green Bay game. After mm-hmm. that, we saw the ceiling of this team. The ceiling is the roof. Yes, exactly. The ceiling is definitely the roof. And we're going to blow the roof off this motherfucker. But, um, well, not maybe not necessarily the ceiling because the Bears weren't scoring touchdowns necessarily. They scored the touchdown in that opening drive, but then they were settling for some field goals later on in the first half against Green Bay. But I think you saw how dominant the defense could be, how bad they could make a Hall of Fame quarterback look, and how easily they could go up and down the field on mm-hmm. anybody. So that's what I mean when I think people saw that and they went, Psh, Bears Super Bowl, like right now, like it's happening, you know. And and we got knocked back, you know, back, knocked down a couple of pegs in the next two weeks. But I, I I'm you know as far as the three one start, I picked them to go three and one. So that does not surprise me. See, I had them at two and two. That's yeah. where I, I was like, I didn't want to get too ahead of myself where I was like, oh, yeah. I was just like, I had him losing to Green Bay, and I think I had him losing to, I think I had him losing week three. Okay. Yeah, see, so yeah. I had him beating Green Bay, and then the emotional letdown in Seattle, uh, or against Seattle the, the next week. That's how I saw it going down. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's how they look that's a little bit different than what I expected. So I I expected the, the offense to look a little bit better than this. Um, I, not quite Tampa Bay, but not quite Arizona either. So I, I expected the running game to be better. I expected the passing game to be a little bit smoother. But then again, I expected to see the meat and potatoes of this offense, which is what we saw last week as opposed to the prior three weeks. Um, And then I did not expect the defense to look this good. Now, the pass rush, sure. I I expected the pass rush to to be near the the top in the NFL. Um, What I did not expect is us to be number two in total takeaways and number two in interceptions. That is a surprise. Um, it's a pleasant surprise because, look, we, we already have as many interceptions through four games as we have at the end of the season, the last three seasons. 
it's three seasons. I thought three. it was last two. All, all three Vic Fangio seasons, we've had eight interceptions. And we have eight right now after four games of the and season. And Kyle Fuller still can't catch a football. I mean, you know, it. You know, I mean, in his defense, it, he's it, only dropped one, but he did yeah, drop I mean, six last year. So I will. T- I will tell you, if there is a quote unquote disappointment on that defense right now, it's probably him. He got the money to be the, the big paid corner, and he has been arguably your worst. Your worst defensive back of the starters, from slot to safety to to outside corners, like because. Bryce has been, by all like accounts, from what I can tell, is he's lights out right now. Bryce is playing out of his mind. He's yeah, he might be the best of the of the group right now. And Prince has Prince was playing really well until the hamstring issue, and Adrian Amos is still Adrian Amos, and Eddie Jackson's Eddie Jackson looks like he's going to be a star. At this point, yeah, I mean, he, he's taken that step that I was hoping that he was going to take this year. Um, you know, being more aggressive, playing the ball. But let's talk about Adrian Amos for one quick second. Um, he, I think that Adrian Amos is we're seeing what Adrian Amos actually is. And for those of us who saw through the pro football focus grades and the Madden grades and all that stuff, and saw that he's just kind of a guy. Um, on this defense, when you have some some legit star power up front and the secondary is playing the way that they are, and he's the only guy that you just don't really know is even on the field ever, um, I think that kind of tells you all you need to know. Adrian Amos, I mean, can you even remember hearing his name called on a broadcast through four weeks? I don't. I mean... I mean, not on a play that sticks out. I'm sure it's probably something like just Adrian Amos with the shove out of bounds or the or the hit, like or coming piling in or something, coming to finish a hit or something. But no, on, on like a on a play of note, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm used to seeing him, you know, on a on a little flare out to a running back, just blow him up. You know, he's usually good for, for one of those every game or every other game. You know, he's mm-hmm. usually good for, like, a big hit, you know, in the in the back somewhere. Um, you know, maybe separating a guy from the ball, maybe just making the big hit. I don't know. But usually he makes his presence felt with his physicality. I don't even remember seeing him making a tackle on a running play. No. He's like, just it- not... Uh, like there and this is what it looks like when you have like nine guys who are really good (laughs) and you have a couple of guys who are maybe kind of average yeah like i mean and it really helps especially for, for that back end when you've got your two guys in the middle behind those mammoths up front like trevathan and smith who a lot not a lot get past that second level anymore yeah like for that big hit for Adrian Amos to put on somebody. Because Roquan and Danny Trevathan aren't going to let a whole lot get by them. Nope. Like, and I mean, I, I, I'd like to touch on Roquan. I mean, he's made his mistakes, obviously, early as a rookie. And you're, you're seeing the instincts you heard about at Georgia. I, I knew he was going to be good in coverage. I didn't know he was going to look this natural at it, though. Like, I thought it was just going to be... 
turn and run, not sit down in his own and, and pick up who comes with him and, and run with him. Like he's really, really gifted in coverage. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of been talking about this in our chat a little bit, and and not really in the public eye so much. But just for for one second, let's talk about how little opposing tight ends and running backs have done against the Bears this year. And that's a, a, a spot where they've kind of historically struggled is against the the running back in the flat and the tight end in the seam. And between Trevathan and Smith and Floyd. And Floyd is, is in coverage about 25% of the time right now. Yeah, it's like 24.5%, I think, is the exact number. Yeah, so between those three guys, they are just – literally shutting down the opposing team's tight end and running back. And let's let's not pretend like we haven't played some some good tight ends. I mean, the Bucks have two good tight ends. Yeah, Cameron Brait and uh, O.J. Howard. Howard. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's impressive. I mean, it, you know, Roquan Smith is not lighting up the, the stat sheet, but what he's doing is he's preventing stats from happening. And people might not actually see that might not value that but that is huge he is taking away an opposing team's tight end and running back while he's in coverage and what i really am looking forward to seeing and i know this sounds weird is i want to see uh, roquan smith versus um rob gronkowski like all game long and mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski versus Khalil Mack because I think he's going to have to stay in and chip Khalil Mack, and then that gives Roquan Smith the advantage in coverage against him because he's going to be coming out late all the time. Yeah, he's so, going to be he's going to have to chip and stay or stay in for that delayed route exactly after, after he stays in for a full second to block. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with you at all on that. It's just the facts of it. But I mean, I guess that goes to show. I mean kind of like where this question and conversation began where are we shocked by how kind of how it started i go i think the answer for each of us is kind of to an extent yes just because of the level at which the defense was playing and to which the the maybe the come to jesus moment happened for the offense yes um so that brings me to my next question which we've kind of segued into already is do you think that Max impact on this defense is what you thought it would be when he was traded for, you know, is, has he been everything you thought he would be? I mean, the answer is obviously yes. And then some, I mean, if you had told me four weeks into the season, he had four strip sacks, five or five total sacks, four forced fumbles, I think 17 tackles and, and I think he probably leads the NFL in just pressures on the quarterback in general. Like, he's a game wrecker. You can't game plan for him. And then you put him next to the same side on the weak, on the strong side of the formation next to Akeem Hicks on almost every single play. That you can't you can't block both. You got to pick one or the other. Because you you're, then you're going to overcommit to that side. And what Aaron Lynch has two or three sacks now himself when we thought he might have been cut going into the season mm-hmm. and now and he's now your he's your default third line the bears are running out sometimes three outside linebackers just aaron lynch is putting his hand in the dirt and leonard floyd dropping into coverage yep like i mean it you have this ability to get exotic without getting exotic 
because you've got him. He, they're still not bringing more than four hardly ever. They're just, it's just how they're bringing them, where they're bringing them from. And that's what a guy like Mac does. Like I, I knew he, you, you always hear a guy of his caliber makes everybody else better because there's only a couple in the league like him. It's him. It's uh, Von Miller. There's and and maybe one other guy, two other guys. That's it. But you, and you say, oh yeah, they make all ten other guys in the defense better. I think we kind of undersold just how much better because they made life on the secondary easy. You even brought up how the Bears got eight interceptions already, and that was their season total from the last three seasons at the end of the year. And we're we're a quarter of the way through the season at a bye week. Like, I, I mean, yeah, it's everything I expected and then so. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel, but that's just, that's me echoing my thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I think, I think what we don't want to undersell though is how how the Bears defense that was already in place has affected Khalil Mack because let's say that's that's fair that yeah. he went to a team that just doesn't have a great defense let's say he went to that you know Buccaneers defense do they all of a sudden become a top defense in the NFL with Khalil Mack I don't think so I think maybe they get to the midway point they become league average. They, they don't completely suck anymore. But I don't think that they're number one in the NFL, which just with Cleo Mack. Because you look at last year with Oakland, that was a defense that was terrible. And it still had Cleo Mack on there. Yeah. So I don't want to say that everything is because of Mack, but I think that the, the symbiotic relationship between the players that were already here and Mack and Fangio – are all mixing together right now so well. And 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 you referenced, we, we, we both referenced Leonard Floyd being in coverage a lot. Now what I think is happening is now you've gotten Khalil Mack and Aaron Lynch interceptions because everybody is expecting Leonard Floyd to go into coverage. And because they've been running this in, really interesting look, and I, I think this is something that everybody should be looking at from now on, when there's a back or a tight end to either side, it seems to me that the the outside linebacker who's on that strong side is reading the flat route, then they're reading contain, and then they're going and rushing the passer if the play starts to break down. And mm-hmm. it's been really interesting to watch. And I think that, you know, Leonard Floyd drops more than the other two, but because everybody's expecting Leonard Floyd to drop. He might take a drop step and then swing around and rush the passer. And then on the other side, you're seeing somebody drop into coverage and the quarterback is not expecting that guy to be there. And you've seen now two interceptions on, on little, you know, a a screen pass and just a little dump off, you know, to a back out of the backfield that Aaron Lynch Mm -hmm. got. And you're like, you know, this is, this is what this defense could be when Vic Fangio has the horses to get creative in the right ways. And I, I've been as you know, hard on Vic Fangio about creativity as anybody, but I think we're seeing now the kind of creativity. It doesn't necessarily need to, need to be blitzing that makes a guy right. great. And I think, and I think the, that's something that even myself, like, and we consider ourselves people who like 
you know, we watch the game. We even fall into the trap. When you hear exotic defenses, you think of Todd Bowles and these predator formations and who's coming, who's saying. Vic isn't that sort of exotic guy. He's, here's my five guys, who's coming, who's staying. And are they stunting? Are they crashing left? Are they crashing? It's how they're doing it. It's it's very – it's simple without being simple because you just – you said the horses who you line up matter. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's just so hard to, to game plan, especially when – I mean, he – you don't hear his name called much, but he's making life easier on everybody. Goldman got his extension and played like he's in his playing, like he still wants it. Oh yeah, like Absolutely. he still wants the extension. So, I mean, he at any given point you can freeze like right after the snap, I, like within the first half second to second after the ball is snapped, you see two people just and Eddie on Eddie, and he's just holding his ground. That and that's his job. Mm-hmm. It's it's not sexy. It's not a way to get stats, but it makes life easier. And I mean, it's I, I don't want that to go unnoticed either. And that's I guess why I kind of just went to him in terms of like why why the pressure and what Vic is trying to do is working so well. Now I, I think it makes me think of when Lovey Smith was here. Lovey Smith ran a pretty vanilla defense, but when he had the players that fit that scheme and he and could and knew the scheme and could run it the way that he wanted to, he would add these little wrinkles to it that mm-hmm. you didn't notice necessarily unless you broke it down a little bit and, and actually looked for it. But what those little wrinkles do is they confuse an offense and they create turnovers and they create mismatches for the defense because what happens is you're not showing anything different than you've always shown. But within the scheme, you're you're going to have safeties or corners that are going to rotate a certain way that, that you haven't mm-hmm. shown that look before. You're going to see um, maybe the two inside linebackers blitz up the middle and the two outside linebackers drop into coverage. You're going to see some little wrinkles like that that haven't been shown before because now Vic Fangio has the guys that he wants, that he has the kind of athletes to run this system the way that he wants to. And it might not be apparent when you're watching the game, but this scheme has changed and it is way more complex this year than it was in previous years but you're not seeing the blitzes and people look at blitzes as complex, right? Greg Williams, um, Todd Bowles. Yeah. There's, you know, Dick LeBeau. I mean, those kind of, those kind of names are the ones that you're like, yeah, those guys run, um, you know, super complex blitzing schemes and stuff. We're last in the league in blitz percentage. We blitz the least out of any team in the NFL and we're leading the NFL in sacks because we have the horses up front to do what we want to do. And Vic Fangio can get so creative in coverage. And it's just confusing the hell out of out of quarterbacks right now. And we've played pretty good quarterbacks so far mm-hmm. this season. You, um, you played two of the top five in back-to-back weeks in Russ and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, and neither one of them really looked great until the fourth quarter of the, of the Packers game. So, and, and that was, I mean, honestly... Well, Let's let's call 
let's call a spade a spade here. I mean, it, it, in reality, and I know Bryce Callahan has had a great season, but that one long pass to Randall Cobb was just Bryce Callahan screwing up. I mean, he just yeah. got too far away from him in a scramble drill. And guess what? Aaron Rodgers and his receivers practice that. They they just kill he, people with that scramble drill. Yeah, and he's the best. I mean, you literally played the two best broken play quarterbacks in the league in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. And they happen to be two of the top five. Mm-hmm. And it just depends. Rodgers isn't going to beat you with his legs so much as just buy himself time to get somebody open. Whereas Russ, if, you, if it's that broken, he'll just take off. But that's a skill that they work on, like you said. And yeah, R- Bryce did get, he got lost. And that's what, how how Cobb scored. And I'm just, I'm, I'm essentially disagreeing with your point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I would say Max impact has absolutely exceeded my expectations and not necessarily in the ways that um, I expected them to. I don't think as far as his production, I don't think that it's necessarily over and above what I expected. I mean, yeah, uh, four strip sacks. That's a little bit more than I was expecting. Um, but an interception, a touchdown, five sacks, the tackles, that's about what I expected, you know, in, in the range of, of what I expected from Cole Mack. But it's the little things within the scheme. It's the little ways that Fangio is able to use his tools the way that he wants to and in ways that we haven't really seen. And look, it, he wanted to use Leonard Floyd as as a Swiss Army knife, right? And when he was the number one pass rusher on your team, you couldn't really do that as much as you wanted to. But now you're seeing Leonard Floyd making plays and coverage. He's got a few passes defense this year. He's doing a really nice job of just being 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, or however tall he is, and being in people's way. And when you're 6'6", six, six, and long like he is, it's tough to get a throw over you. Because he's yeah. so athletic and he can jump out of the gym too, so that's like trying to throw a pass over Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? You're just not going to do it. He's going to knock it down, and he's done that this year, and it's and it's awesome. So I, I'm I'm totally excited to see where this defense is headed this year. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time right now. Mm-hmm. So enough with this uh, this defensive stuff here. Um, let's talk about the offense. Why do you hate uh, yeah, let's talk about this this offense a little bit here. I mean, obviously, nobody saw six touchdowns coming. Um, not even the most optimistic of us saw six touchdowns coming. But yeah, be no mistake, we we are not the most optimistic people in the world. No, but I mean, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about about Mitch. But 354 yards. If you would have said 354 and two touchdowns. Or maybe even three, I would have been like, ooh, you know, like that's that's putting in work. But 354 and six, yeah, holy crap, that's that's a whole other thing. But that that brings brings me to the last, you know, kind of talking point here is um, it was that week three performance a precursor of things to come? And and you referenced something that we've talked about before, which is you know, that come to Jesus moment between Mitch and Matt Nagy. And does that, does this signal 
good things to come and and a, a stepping stone, a, a growth of sorts that's that's taken place in the offense. I mean, I think it is the stepping stone, and like I said, I I want every Bear fan, myself included, to not expect what happened against Tampa Bay on any sort of basis. That was six touchdowns and three fifty four. So it was obviously a hell of a performance. And the come-to-Jesus moment obviously worked. What I want everyone to keep in mind, which I'm sure many of us already know, Tampa Bay's passive defense sucks to high hell. It's awful. And, like, it, it just made it. But what, what I want to not undersell about that happening is it sounds weird to say a professional athlete needs a confidence-building game, but they do, especially a guy like Mitch who – I want to say since high school, if you include the 12, and then this, that was his 16th NFL start, that's literally his 28th or 29th NFL or total start since high school. Some guys get that in two years of college. So, like, we, I think we all saw, like, the accuracy and the stuff of Mitch coming out of college and not realizing the lack of game rep and lack of actual experience going into it that he was going to need more time than the other quarterbacks to develop. Mm-hmm. I think we all kind of overlooked that, just saw, like, oh, he's got a nice throwing motion, he kind of looks like Drew Brees, he kind of looks like Alex Smith. He should be more pro-ready just because I know he can throw the ball a- accurately. Not thinking about the game speed and the offense, the complexities of everything, and having to go from a, a, and go into a second offense his second year in the league. Like, that's a lot of stuff to overcome. And I think we all kind of didn't think about that because we were all just kind of like sipping the Kool-Aid of what was going on. So, yes, I think that is a precursor of what to come, just not at that level, and that was, I think, a much-needed confidence-building game where he proved to himself more than anything that I can do this at this level and at a very high level against NFL players. Yeah. So... I don't expect another game like this this season with six touchdowns. Maybe other three, obviously, other three hundred plus yard performances and two to three, four touchdowns. But I'm not expecting another six touchdown performance just because that's kind of an anomaly. Like, not every, not I mean, how many six touchdown games did greats like Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady? How many of those have they had in their careers? I'm not sure any of those guys have even had a six touchdown game. So that's what I'm saying. Like Brady, maybe, I want, but I don't. I don't think Manning or Breeze. I think Manning may have done it one of his years in Denver when he broke the the single season touchdown record. I, I'm not entirely sure, but that th- that's my point. Like we saw what this offense is, and every anyone who listens to me or follows me on Twitter or, or is in the group chat with us knows how big a Taylor Gabriel fan I am. Like that's my dude. And to see how Taylor Gabriel was used last week, that was just like, like football porn. Like, because Gabriel was lining up every which way, and he scored two touchdowns. And that's the kind of matchup nightmare that Negi wanted when he, and I think he envisioned when he had both Tariq Cohn and and Taylor Gabriel to pair with Trey Burton with all these little versatile places, players that you could just put any which way. You looking that up right now, Andrew? Yeah. um, All those guys have had six or seven touchdowns. Yeah. 
So Breeze has had a seven and a six. Uh, Peyton Manning had a seven and a six. Aaron Rodgers had a bunch of sixes. Tom Brady's had a bunch of sixes. So, yeah, no, they've they've all had them. Um, so looking that up, yeah, it's that's a thing. He's in the same company as them, my friends. But I gotta I gotta tell you, there's very few weird names on this list. Like Nick Foles is on here. That's a little weird. Um, and some of these Pat, guys that I've never. Is Pat, did Pat Mahomes of. hit six that week one? Yeah, he's on. Yeah, there. so yeah, Mahomes does it. So, but the, the point is that there there are a lot of names on this list, but the overwhelming majority of them are either Hall of Famers, soon to be Hall of Famers, or soon to be Hall of the Very Gooders. Um, Sans Nick Foles. <laughs> yeah, Sans Nick Foles, and some of these people I've never heard of, like Tommy Kramer. I have no idea who that is. Jim Hardy. But but then there's guys like Mark Rippin, right? Mark Rippin won a Super Bowl um, with the Redskins. So, you know, Jim Kelly, Brett Favre, Ben Roethlisberger, Otto Graham, Sammy Baugh, Dan Marino. Oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's on there. Carson Palmer, uh, who's to the Hall of Very Good. Drew Brees is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Sid Luckman, Hall of Famer. George Bland, a Hall of Famer. So Manning going to be Hall of Famer. So, so Sam's a couple of anomalies. The dudes on this list are for are, real. Are good players, so you can take some solace in that. But yep. I, well, I, I, my overwhelming point, or my underlying point, not overwhelming point, was this isn't just a, an, a regular occurrence. No, absolutely like, not. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not something that happens a ton. Um, there's a lot of repeat names on that list, but. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not something that I'm expecting. Now, 354, that's something that I think going forward, I think 280 to 325, I think is going to be your sweet spot range for yardage for Mitch Trubisky going forward the rest of the season. I, I mean, they, they are going to play some tough defenses in there, um, assuming that the, the Vikings right the ship at some point. But if they don't, I mean that's two games against a def- or a team that you thought was going to have a great defense, and so far they haven't. Um, the Rams and and they can't protect their quarterback. No, either. they're awful at that. So, but then you had the Rams who you thought was going to have this great defense, and they've had some injuries and stuff like that. So, that's another team where you go, well, maybe we kind of lucked out on that one because that defense is nowhere near as difficult as you thought, and so and and you don't want to go. And say, well, asterisk. One, here we come. You know, asterisk Mitch's you know season by playing a bunch of not very good defenses. But at the same time, where are the great defenses that are going to end up being in the playoffs? So unless you end up playing Philadelphia, that I might mean, be there's... the only really good one in the NFC other than the Bears. I mean, I mean, well, the Redskins' defense I think has played pretty well. Personally. Okay, yeah, okay. Redskins up there too. Yeah. Um, but they but, I mean, but they have to make the playoffs just like the Bears. So that's a team that might not even end up in the playoffs. I mean the Bears right. might oh. not either, but No, I'm just making the point. Like there's the all the guy all the teams that we were expecting to be the ass kicking defenses, as you said, they're not what we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Like I fully expected, especially with Goff on his rookie deal, I fully expected that Rams defense to come out like gangbusters and just kind of be punking teams now 
the offense is ridiculous, and yeah. they're yeah, they're something <laughs> something else. But I really expected with that Aaron Donald led defense and all these guys like from they went and got Marcus Peters, Akeem Tlaib, and brought in Donkey Kong Sue and all these dudes, and I thought they were just going to be punking teams defensively, and that didn't happen. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of um, way back when, when when Daniel Snyder, you know, spent all that money on the Redskins that one year, and then uh, the Eagles with the Dream Team and all that stuff. Um, it reminds me a lot of those teams where you got a bunch of names, but a lot of those players may have either A, been past their prime, or... B, they think that they're good enough to just throw their jock out on the field and beat teams without having to actually try because there's so much talent. Now, that happens. I mean, that's human mm-hmm. nature to say we're just so much better than everybody else that, you know, we can give 75% effort and win. Well, you can't do that in the NFL. I don't care who you are. But I'm leaning towards... Option A, oh. that, that that Sue just isn't the same player he used to be. Aqib Tlaib, I mean, he's been hurt. He's not the same player he used to be. And frankly, Aaron Donald as an interior guy, as a three technique, can only wreck your, your game plan so much. At some point, yeah. you can you can, you can can get around that. Yeah, it's still a problem, though. <laughs> oh, he's a problem. That's for, I'm not taking anything away from what he's doing. Yeah. Trust me, I'd love to have Aaron Donald. But I'm just saying that I think you can... You, you can take care of an interior guy. I think it's harder to game well, plan for and a guy who's outside. I, I would tend to agree just because if you choose to not do anything up the middle and just go away from him, he's kind of negated, especially if you're doing a bunch of pop passes and stuff like that. Yeah, bootlegs. Bootlegs, pop passes. Like Aaron, And make no mistake, Aaron Donald is freakishly fast. So he will still occasionally get there, but you can oh, negate yeah. some of what – he, you can still negate some of what he wants to do, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'm with you, man. Like I, I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that the Rams were winning in just shootouts. I thought they were just going to be blowing teams out. <laughs> but and, but to your point, like the the term and adage "any given Sunday" still applies. Look at what the Buffalo Bills did to the Minnesota Vikings. And the Buffalo Bills might be the worst team in football. And they came out and spanked them. So you can't just throw your jock out on the field and just expect, like, hey, this is my name. You know me. Let's just get by on the fact that you know we were good. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, circling back to, to Mitch here, um, I, I do think that they had this – come to Jesus moment. I mean, you and I both know kind of how that conversation went um, between Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. And- well, Mitch kind of said as much, too. Like, he goes, I know what I can do in the plays that I'm comfortable in. He straight up said it. Like, No, no, I, I, I get that part. But, I mean, like, what was what was actually said between Nagy and Mitch? Like, we kind of we kind of know – what what went down there and yeah. and I'm kind of excited about that you know uh, what he, what was said and I and I think the response is is what makes you excited because you know that 
that Matt Nagy was looking for. He was looking to light a fire, and and I think he did that. And but he also needed to help himself, help help Mitch, help himself, help Mitch. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. help me, help yep. you, kind of thing. And he needed to in- internalize what he needed to do, and we saw that because I've been looking. You know, I've done all the all twenty two of this game a few times now, and you look at the play designs and you go, "Yep, that's what I've been expecting to see all season long," and we're finally seeing it. And um, so, what you're saying is they just need to run the whole offense through Taylor Gabriel. Is what you're telling me? <laughs> if if that's the if that's the game plan that week, I think I think it's just. What what do they think? What does the matchup dictate? And and you're going to see games like this where Tariq Cohen Jordan is going to get 20-plus touches and Jordan Howard is going to get half that. Um, there's going to be games at certain points in the season against teams that struggle with downhill runners and things like that where, where Jordan Howard's just going to pick them apart. Um, I would love to and- see a game where, where you were using both running backs in the backfield – and you kept Tariq Cohen in, and you let Jordan Howard run those wheel routes, and he would just destroy you because nobody's going to follow him. They're going to follow and, Tariq Cohen. And I, I will also say I think Jordan Howard did his due diligence. I think he spent a lot of time on the jugs machine and catching passes from quarterbacks in oh, camp. absolutely. Because his hands look more natural. Like I used to kind of dump on him last year when I would talk about his receiving, as and rightfully so, I think where he was very robotic in the sense of see ball, catch ball, tuck ball, run ball. Like, he, he wasn't – it wasn't like a fluid just pluck and go. So I, I'm very happy with how he's looked cu- catching the ball so far. Yeah, I tried to uh, try to tell everybody that would listen in training camp that it's just different. You can see the way he just flips his hands. Um it was more natural. He just looked more athletic out there. So, however, we do still have one C ball, catch ball, tuck ball, run ball a guy on the team. It's fun, and that's Deion Sims. Deion Sims still has that. that <laughs> which which reminds me, I I think we're getting to. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe a, a player on IR who they designate to return. You don't have to designate them anymore, but you want to bring back. You have to wait until after week eight. Eight, yeah. So I assume you're alluding to Shaheen since we... Yes, because Deion Sims has been awful. Brutal. I mean, awful this year. Brutal. And and I mean, he's not a good blocker either, which is really a problem. Um, Like that... like his his bad blocking actually did us a favor last week on that on that play that <laughs> that 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 Tariq Cohen bounced out outside to the right and ended up with like a thirty five yard. It was because of a missed block. Yeah. Well, so what Sims was supposed to do is he's on the left side and then he comes and pulls across and he's supposed to pull through the hole between the right guard and right tackle. And he got there so slow that him and Tariq almost collided with each other. So but, he had to bounce. So he had yeah. to bounce outside. And and what happened is um, Sims ends up getting to that guy, and they bump into each other, him and the linebacker, which takes him out of the play at least long enough for Tariq Cohen to get around. And then he had the great downfield block with Kevin White, 
who, uh, as a blocker, has been awesome this year. And I got to give him props, man, because he is not catching balls. He knows he's not going to catch balls. And he is still blocking like an animal out there. And I love it. I love it. But love you, it, love it. I love it, too. And, you know, I, I'm a pretty big Kevin White fan. I like Kevin White. I, I, oh, very I, much want, I very much want him to succeed. I think his mindset is he knows he's the fifth or sixth receiver on the depth chart. He knows it. I think his mindset is, though, if I keep busting my butt and put putting crack blocks on people and running downfield in the running game or on the wide receiver screens and setting up bigger plays, what's eventually going to happen? He's going to get passes. Yeah, now, I, I, I think this is all setting up for, for the, the Josh Bellamy play. It could be. I mean, it's but I think of it as the same way like I played basketball growing up as well. When the big man is on the floor and he gets the rebound and runs the floor with you, what do you do as he's trailing? You dish it off, you reward the big man. Yeah, same idea. Uh-huh. Yeah. Reward reward Kevin White. It's it's I, and you're right. It could be setting up for the for that play. It could be setting up for a bubble screen where you let Kevin White do his work or you sets up for a quick quick slant. Whatever it might be. I think it's all leading into Kevin White starting to get targets because remember, I don't think Matt Nagy I think if Matt Nagy didn't want him as a pet project, he would have been cut. Correct. Like and this is he's a project for Nagy, and I think Nagy really wants to <laughs> to exploit what he's done with him so far outside of the hard work. Yeah, I think um you know, he's going to be a forgotten man when you have uh, Allen Robinson and a Taylor Gabriel and a Tariq Cohen and a Trey Burton on your team. But, and an Anthony Miller, too. Let's not forget about him, who is healthy, by the way, and is should be playing um, against Miami. So, and that's, I believe, that's I nice. believe Prince will be back next week, too. Yeah, that's, that's good. This team has been unbelievably healthy and got to hand it to the new strength and conditioning coaches. Um, yeah, Loscalzo. I mean, that's that's nice to see uh, after the last few years that the Bears are one of the, the healthiest teams in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I was talking about Shaheen coming back. So I, I think week nine is the first week he can play, which is our eighth game. Um, that's probably a little quick because he can't practice until after week eight, which is the week before week nine, game, uh, game eight. So I think you're probably looking at week ten – Game nine is probably the you know the last eight games of the season is probably what we're looking at for him coming back. So I'm actually doing a project right now, uh, a little video project here, looking at um, how you know how let's let's face it, Shaheen looked really good in preseason, and it wasn't just the production that he had in in that uh, was a Denver game. Uh, mm-hmm. Or not Denver game. It was the the game before that. What was that? Uh, oh, whatever. There's so many damn preseason games. Cincinnati game. That's what it was. Yeah, Cincy. <laughs> um, so he looks really good. And, and and what I mean by that is he just looked ath- more athletic, more agile, you know, more balanced, faster, quicker. He just looked like a better player um, in that little span that we saw. And and I just want to look at how Deion Sims is a forgotten man in this offense and how wide open he is all the time. But Mitch has no faith in him, so doesn't throw the ball to him. 
even though he's wide open. So I think that changes. And that's and that's very evident. He has no faith. Like, yeah. He'll look. He'll look his way, and he will be open. And then he's just like, "All right, never mind. I'm gonna just." But he has no target since the Green Bay game. So yeah, you know, he's he's trying. Okay. He is trying. I think. Um. So yeah, I think. Uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything here, so let's uh, wrap this one up. Um, since Will's not here, you're going to have to fill in for for. Oh Will. my God! This. I, I know. Oh my God! Is your heart beating fast? Okay. Yeah. I I got this. I got this. I got this. All right. Should, should I go? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, Tune in. I'm, Tune in. There it is. Tune in radio. And <laughs> I, I screwed it up. It was my moment and I screwed it up. And where can we find you at, Andrew? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BearsLink82. Uh, you can also find my writings on Windy City Gridiron and occasionally the Loop Sports. And do you have any musings, though? I do have all sorts of musings. Um, and also, for those who haven't seen, I do have a new YouTube uh, channel out there doing the Mitch Please videos. Um, as soon as we're done recording this, I am going to get back to editing that, and I will have that out later today. Um, so that will be extra fun because Mitch Mitch slapped everybody on uh Tampa Bay's defense, so that will be fun. And what about you, Danny Boy? And I, I can be found on Twitter at DanMeehan90. Meehan spelled M as in Mary, E-E-H-A-N as in Nicholas, the numerals 9-0. If I have to tell you how to spell Dan, go back to kindergarten. Please. That's right. Um, other than that, I, I promise I'm, I am, I'm getting the time to write. I, it, it's coming. It's Wedding planning and, and, and trying to figure this stuff out is no joke. I promise you. It's... It's a bitch and a half, to say the least. But it's coming. Uh, I've got thoughts and things in my brain. Not all good, not all bad, but they'll get out there. Be on the lookout for that. But like I said, Dan, me, and 90. And you can find Andrew at BearsLink82. Damn right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Two Minute Drill. And I promise we will be, you know, coming to you a little more um, frequency. Frequently, yeah. This has been uh, just a, a weird time for all three of us. So uh, it happens. Life happens. It sucks. But um, we will be doing something again next week. So for Dan and Will and myself, I am Andrew and Bear Dan.